This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. This is our post-match show of Foam's 1-0 loss to Newcastle United at St. James's Park. One of my guests, Craig Coben, he was there. He'll give us his insight of what he saw, along with my co-host, Mr. Yanis Janais. Him and I will chime in as well. So, guys, let's not waste any time. Let's just get right to it. First of all, Craig, you are at St. James's Park. Let's just... Get your opening thoughts on the loss. What did you make of this? Look, it was a really heartbreaking loss. It was a gut punch to lose in the 88th minute. But I did think that Newcastle had the better of the play. We were unlucky uh, in many respects. But overall, they were stronger. They had a bit more energy. uh, And I felt that we were on the back foot for much of the match. They didn't dominate us, right? but they were a stronger team. So whilst I think the result was unfortunate and arguably unjust given the controversy around the penalty, at another level, it was more or less a deserved outcome. Okay. And uh, I'm glad that you started us in that fashion. Before I go to Giannis, I'm just going to share this, that we did a full-time show and uh, we gave – a good amount of credit to Newcastle United and we're going to do it here. And you already got to start because if you look at it, if you look at overall the play, they were the better side. They deserved all three points. I, I don't think that's difficult to say, but if, as you say, Craig, it's unfortunate the way everything played out. The one thing that I will disagree with some of the comments that I got was uh, I saw on YouTube, many, I shouldn't say many, some, Newcastle United supporters, Craig, were claiming that we went there to get a draw. And that is just not true at all, I think, until we get to about the 79th minute when we have the substitution. I think that's a controversial call. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But I think Fulham's approach has been the way it has been the entire season. They came there to win. They wanted to play on the front foot. But to your point, I think this has more to do with Newcastle United not letting Fulham play and dominating the ball and dominating the play. Your thoughts, and then I'll go to Giannis. Yeah, look, I agree with that up to a point, Russ. We did often have five in the back um, with Bobby Decker-Dovariva pulling back on the left side to support Kurzawa. Bear in mind, we had our substitute left back, Kurzawa, right. uh, because Robinson was suspended for the match. And so I do think... Marco Silva recognized that that was a vulnerability. He changed the sides of our wingers. So William was on the right. Yes. Bobby Decoradova-Rita was on the left. And Bobby Decoradova-Rita was playing extremely deep. And so I can't understand why some fans may think that we were playing for the draw because we did have five in the back. That being said, I think our setup was more driven by necessity and the, the importance of shoring up that side, which Newcastle 
clearly had targeted, as opposed to parking the bus and playing for a draw. Interesting stuff. Giannis, over to you. I, I want to get your thoughts on this and also your opening thoughts on the loss, but it's just interesting to look at this. I'm glad that Craig brought this up because a lot of the commentary on the broadcast was that Bobby Decadovery was playing deep in ways, maybe was playing like a back five at times. So what are your thoughts on this? But I don't think Fulham went there to get the draw. I think that they did it as Craig said, out of necessity, but they were still looking to be on the front foot when they had their opportunities. Yeah, because you got Kazawa coming in, and just a point I make: Robinson didn't play either game this year against New. Uh, sorry, Blood Blood Money United. Um, so Kazawa had to come in, and you know what? Jacob Overeed is our Mister Utility. You stick him back there, and I actually thinking back to the games when we went up to Man City, as an example, we didn't go there and stick eleven men behind the ball. Every game we've played this year. We've played to attack. I mean, the, the win, the wins against Brentford, against Brighton, um, then you know Leicester. These aren't accidents. We're a positive side. So, you know, if, if there are fans up in the northeast that seem to think that, then they really don't know a lot, um, because we're not sixth by accident. We're there for reasons. We've won four in the trot, five in the trot in all competitions. Right. And um, not having Robbo was a big problem for us because it meant we had to rejig the lineup. And, um, you know, Kazawa did okay, but they could have read, you know, did his usual stellar thing. Um, and, you know, same with playing for the draw. Well, remember the first game where we were down to 10 men without, you know, within 10 minutes? You know, what, what did they want? Do they think they were going to thump us 5 nothing? No. No, um, we've got a very, very good coach. We don't have the strength and depth that that lot have. Yes, but we what we we do the best we can with what we've got, and that's what we did. And we were within a few minutes of coming away with I thought a deserved point. And had luck, you know, been on our side, we'd have taken the three points. Not good stuff there, Yanis. All right, I want to share this from our friend Chris Goodwin, the Liverpool supporter. I also disagree with those comments from some of the Newcastle fans. You did try to counter when you did have the ball, and that's the point. Thank you, Chris, for sharing that. All right, over to you, Craig. Before we really get into talking about this match, I was thinking about this before we did the show, and I'm going to ask both of you this as kind of a topic to go along with the results here, which is, again, full lose 1-0. So I want to ask you both this. I'll start with you, Craig. Have our expectations as supporters changed over the course of the season to the point where maybe they're a little too high. So we've started with the expectations be, let's just get to 40 points as you and I were talking about avoid relegation. Then we have kind of gotten to that point. We're not quite there yet to maybe the expectations have now changed to mid table. Then we've kind of went past that hurdle. Now we're talking about, can we fight for Europe? And now we're playing against teams and battling against a team that's probably going to be in the Champions League to the point where we're very disappointed. I could see so many fans are disappointed. So have our expectations changed too much, Craig? Well, when I was uh, at St. James's Park, the fans broke into a, the song to the tune of Yellow Submarine. We are going on a European tour, European tour, European tour. Right. Um, so... <laughs> You know, the fans dream and they fantasize. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the fans think. It's really the, where the players and the manager are focused. And one hopes that the players and manager are focused on getting to that 40-point threshold, assuring our safety that it will take a lot of pressure off of the team. And so then they can concentrate on the dream of European qualification. I think if you look at the table and you look at the remaining games, it is still unlikely, certainly not impossible, but unlikely that we will qualify for Europe. Um, we need to have a lot of things go our way. The probabilities are not in our favor. And so really there's no reason to be focusing on Europe. Priority right now is to stay up. Then we get to mid-table. We just grind out points game by game. And then we see where we are as we approach the end of the season. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I also want to get your thoughts on this because I'm one that has said, let's 
focus on Europe. Maybe Craig's right. Maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit because I'm excited. But I've watched our side here battle everyone, including Newcastle United, who I think are a very quality side. And I'm thinking we can play with anyone, but am I getting ahead of myself too much to the point where maybe I should just still be looking at the task at hand, the 40 points, take it from there, mid-table, and I'm maybe jumping ahead a few steps. Maybe I'm a little bit too excited. What are your thoughts about this? Have some of us gotten a little bit carried away here? I think I think I think fans will rise to the level of expectations. I, I don't think forty points is going to keep us up. I think it'll be thirty six, because uh, you know the bottom lot of the table are wretched. There are some wretched, wretched teams down there right now, and I'm, I'm I wouldn't even be surprised if it's something like thirty one, thirty two, because teams don't look. Teams like Everton and West Ham right now are just awful. Southampton, I think, are just running on vapor. Um, you know, Wolves are improving. Leeds United, I think, are going to be okay. But the bottom of the door, the, the table is ghastly. I agree with, with Craig. You got, well, let's get to 36 to 38 points. Let's get to safety. And then we start looking at Europe. I think one really good thing about Marcos, he's never talked about Europe. He's never talked about finishing oh. top or anything. You know, and, and Newcastle can talk, you know, they can talk, they can just talk whatever they want bollocks about going to Europe. Last time, they did win an Inter-Toho Cup, I know, and as we did, but then we, we got to, you know, we, we, we got to a Europa League final, which they haven't. And, um, you know, what we do, we, we um, I think the fans have sensed the togetherness and the, and, the philosophy that Marco and the coaches have brought to a team that was expected to drop back down. And I think fans are thinking, based on some of the rubbish in, in the lower half, and it really is, that there's no reason why if we don't get to the, you know, whatever points, that we can't maybe dream of getting a chance to play in Europe. Because if I look at the teams just around us, I think we're on our par with Brentford right now. I think some would argue we're slightly maybe ahead, but Chelsea are a bit of a wreck. Um, 85 on million on a, a striker that's not Mudrick has not even scored a dozen goals. Um, Liverpool are a mess right now and they don't have the best centre back in a month for another month. Um, after the, we play Chelsea away, and that's a game I can't wait for, we've got a good run of games and a cup run. So the fans are looking. And thinking maybe we've got a chance of doing something special. Um, I do agree, with Craig. That keep our feet on the ground, but um, our performances have warranted this exuberance from all of us. Um, I'm really proud of what they did even yesterday. I mean, we, we battled hard and we gave it everything we got. Unfortunately, you're going to get results like that. Okay, very good. I'm going to share this from Ralph Leach here. He says. It's hard to compete against teams who can bring on a 70 million pound forwards from the bench to score. That's actually a very good point. It is hard to compete with that. But you know what? Fulham did compete. They absolutely competed. Yeah. And uh, I've seen a lot of uh, praise from the Newcastle supporters on Giannis Fulham going to St. James's Park and maybe being the toughest opponent they had. I think that just shows how far they've come. It's it was an interesting game to watch, to be honest. One thing that I will say about that lot is that 1 through 11, they're very, very hardworking. I mean, they're, they're a, you, you pick anyone in the lineup, and, and you've got someone like Joe Linton. I'm going to use Joe Linton as a good example. Although, ethically, one would argue, one could argue, he shouldn't have played yesterday. Right. Um, but, you know, from the back to the front, they all work extremely hard. And, and, our lads do the same as well. And that's probably like, so I can understand the assessment that we were a tough team to play because all our players work tremendously hard on and off the ball. Um, it was one of those games where um, the, I didn't really think they were going to score. They didn't really create a lot from open play. They did. There wasn't any real, there was one where um, Sam Maximum flashed one just wide of, the near post, but I didn't think they were going to get anything. And um, that's a credit to our lads that we kept our shape and we didn't panic. I, I think I think Marco, when Marco got together with the coaches this morning and he reflects, I think there's a couple of things he might have done differently. 
uh, that may have changed the game. I mean, it's right about bringing Isaac off. You know, he's got bought for seventy million, but you know, substitutions have to be timely and they have to be effective. And maybe if he looks back on it, he'll go, oh, "Maybe I could have made this change here and there." Hindsight and everything else, but overall, right. we can't be anything but proud of the lads. They they gave it everything they had and just just came up a bit short. Okay, very good. All right. Guys, before we go through the starting 11 and then breaking down this match, I want to talk about possible situations that could be the turning point of the match. Obviously, we're going to talk about all the controversy dealing with the penalty. There's plenty to really talk about with that. But I also want to talk about something, Giannis, that I'm curious your thoughts on because I think this might have been the turning point of the match. So, Craig, I want to ask you first. Do you think the double substitution with Tosin and James was a mistake. Now, change of shape. We've already talked about what you shared with Bobby Decadova-Reed. But I'm curious your view on this because this was going definitely three at the back with three center backs. Hindsight being 2020, is it fair for us to look back at this and ask the question, was it a mistake? Was it a mistake? I Look, I think... I actually don't think our shape changed that much with their introduction because what happened was that Corzal was brought up to left wing and um, uh, Bobby Decker and Reed effectively moved back into a holding position. So our, our shape actually didn't change that much. I don't think it, you know, the reason Newcastle scored was A, our team was pretty tired by the 80th right. minute. And B, inexplicably, um, uh, Diop was was out jumped on that cross, and um, so I, I don't know if I would lay our defeat at the hands of the double substitution. When I saw the double substitution, it was quite apparent that Marco Silva felt that we would we were going to try for the draw, right? Um, and that made some sense. We were on the back foot. We were looking tired. They were the stronger team. And they had been creating progressively more and better chances. Um, we thought, you know, we were able to, we were going to nick a goal with that penalty, but it didn't prove to be the case. So I don't think it was a poor decision on, on Marco Silva's part. Uh, I think we lost the game for other reasons. Okay, excellent. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. Giannis, over to you, because there are a couple of ways to look at this. Was it a mistake to do this? Craig makes an argument that it was not, based on the situation at hand. However, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Marco has always been one to play on the front foot, to go for the victory, and this kind of goes a little bit against his philosophy. So I want your thoughts on this. Was this a mistake? Or to Craig's point, maybe it wasn't a mistake. Maybe there were other factors that, led to Fulham losing this match. Well, Craig made a good point about Diop inexplicably, explicit, inexplicably yes. missing the header. And I've, and I've mentioned this before. I've mentioned this before. That you the have, I remember. In the air, for someone so big and tall, he should be better in the air. And he'll look at that and go, oh my God, what have I done there? But I, I think with Marco, I think it's a case where you go back to the well. And the well for, for us this year has been Tom Kenny. Bring okay. him on, sell it down in the center of the park. You know he's going to distribute. He's going to he's going to stretch the field. So when I saw Dan, I mean when I saw Dan James, I was like, okay, yeah, all right. So he's going to go running around doing what he does, and he does creates, you know, he creates chances through his speed. But what you really need with a team that's played a very tough game against Chelsea on Thursday. To have to travel to the northeast, which was absolutely ridiculous. Marco Silva was fuming in the the, the, the presser, the, the yeah. pre-game presser about this, and it, I absolutely agree. Um, you, you know what you sort of need. You've got Harrison Reed was looking a little leggy, so was Palhinha. And bring Tom in and just set it down the centre of the park and see what happens there. And he didn't. And I was watching him going like, Tom's going to come on sixty-five minutes, and he didn't. And, it, and I, I'm not sure what his thinking was. I'm not going to have a go Mark. He's been brilliant. Yeah. I'd have brought him on. Um, but he just tried to, something a little different. Look, these aren't horses. 
you know, you're making teams, players, athletes play 180, 190 minutes of, of footy in a matter of three days, which would be, probably be within tw between, I don't know, 18 and 24 kilometers of work uh, running outside um, in weathers and in weather in and including travel is ridiculous. This is one of the criticisms that Premier League managers have about the Christmas schedule. We do love it, but it's very tough on players. And I think this, as he said, it's not Newcastle's fault because that was originally on the schedule. It was re it was rescheduling the Chelsea game to go on a Thursday and then go up to Newcastle. So the you know the, the Premier League really need to take a look at this because. Um, we saw, you remember, Craig, you remember this when um, Fabrice Mwamba went down for Bolton against Tottenham and that basically had cardiac arrest. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, White Hart Lane. And we remember what happened in the NFL a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes. It was published by Hamlin. And you know what? Mm -hmm. These aren't machines. You know, I'm surprised that more, more of these don't happen. We saw it with Christian Eriksen, obviously. You know, it can be just it could be overexertion. You see at the end of marathons, and I think what Silver said was a, was a big point. By the 80th minute, you could see we were running out of gas, and I don't think that's fair because they had they had we had to travel. They had more time to rest uh, between the games. It's a ludicrous scheduled decision, and you know it just I suppose it culminated with what was really a soft goal in the end, but. Um, Look, he's done everything he's done this year. He's turned to gold, Marco. So I might have bought, I'd have bought Tom in, but I mean, so so be it. It's just you know, fine. Okay, very good. All right, Craig, over to you. Let's now focus on the starting eleven before the match and uh, the bench overall as well. What were your thoughts when you saw this an hour before the match began? Well, um, no real surprise with three three new players but i think the the key element to highlight is that we don't have the depth to rotate our midfield and so as a result um we're using the same midfield that we used two and a half to half days earlier uh against at home against chelsea and as yanis has very eloquently said our team is suffering from fatigue due to lack of rest and lack of rotation. And that's really what stood out for me um, in the starting 11. The starting 11 was almost exactly as I had predicted it, or was exactly as I had predicted it, um, given some of this, you know, the, the various suspensions that have happened and so forth. But really it's the fact that our midfield engine is being called on again to do a lot of heavy lifting. Good point. How about you, Giannis? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I mean, Reed, Paulini, and Pereira have been superb, but we need the depth in there. And that maybe where Kikani could have come in. But with the transfer deadline, you know, we've got two more weeks of it. We've got to look at, you know, I don't know why Chalaba's still around the squad. Well, honestly, I still have nightmares about that Newcastle goal, the Newcastle first game. But we do need depth. And um, and Newcastle have it, and let's be honest, the top teams have it. When you've got players, right. they got players like LaSalle and Sam Maxima and Isaac and Mankio and Murphy. That can, and Murphy Richie, you can bring off the bench. And you look at ours, and you go, okay, yeah, right, yeah, you know, there's some, there's a few good players in there, da da da, but we're not quite there yet. We need another summer to build it and make it even stronger in terms of the. St the starting 11. We really missed Robinson. I'm going to say it again. We really missed Robinson because the thing about Robinson yeah. is he would have kept Almiron um, honest. And that, I think on that left side is where we could have, we could have really hurt them. It's just circumstance. He was into the first game suspended for yesterday's game, but I think he could have really made a difference. Um, but where we are in terms of a squad now, if we're playing, if we're doing this well and we're six, it's saying that, you know what, this is the start of something and Newcastle have more money and obviously they've got they've got greater right. depth and that's fine. But we're on the right tracks. It's not a disgrace to lose to Newcastle away, nope. for sure. Um, but um, it's a process. 
And I think that Marco and the coaches know the process. And, uh, you know, we'll keep doing as we do. And um, hopefully we get to a point where there's competition literally for every, for literally for every position. Um, and, and that's what makes, that marks, it, just, it differentiates between the good sides and the, and the potentially great ones. So. Okay, great stuff there, Giannis. All right, before we go and break down this match, I'm going to share a couple of comments. This is from Martin Hunter, who I think is a Newcastle United supporter. So this is what he shared. You give us a really good game, better than most sides have when they've come up here. Fulham are a good side, playing good stuff. You just didn't get the rub of the green. Over to you, Craig. What are your thoughts about that? Do you agree with them? Well, Martin, thank you for the comments. I think that they're very gracious from your end. Um, we didn't get the rub of the green when it comes to the penalty and the controversy and everything that happened around it. Um, I do think, taking a step back, Newcastle were the stronger side. I agree. Um, maybe because they have greater depth, maybe because they have greater resources, maybe because we didn't have enough time to rest our key players. So at one level, we were unlucky. At a micro level, at a macro level, the result was probably just. Okay, excellent stuff. All right, let's break it down, guys. Let's talk about the first half. Craig, I'll go to you. You were at St. James's Park. We're just going to talk in general terms. So give me your thoughts on what you watched for the first half at St. James's Park, and then I'll go to Giannis. Well, it was a first half of three-thirds, you could say. The, the first the opening stretch, I thought Newcastle had the better of the play. They had a couple of opportunities. Um, they started to expose our defense. We were playing a high line. They got behind it a few times. They were pressing us, and we struggled to get the ball out. We didn't ever. We were never in danger. We never gave up the ball in a dangerous position, but we were struggling to get the ball out and to break their press, uh, and sometimes we were having to hit it long. I think the middle part of the first half, um, we played a lot better. We were on the front foot. We had a bit more control. And then by the end of the first half, I thought that Newcastle was starting to assert themselves. Um, but I guess the one thing that was holding back Newcastle was the ankle injury to uh, uh, Bruno Guimarães. Um, and uh, because I think he was uh, he was actually quite effective during the time that he was playing. And, of course, he had to be substituted uh, at halftime. But, you know... I did think on balance, Newcastle had the better of the play, although we did have some good stretches. It was also quite apparent in that first half that Newcastle were going to target our left back. And I didn't think the communication between Kurzawa and Dekordova Reed was seamless. I, I think they were both at times caught a little bit out of position. Um, and we were vulnerable to overloading, even though. Decker Reed was tracking back. And I think it's because neither Decker Reed nor Kurzawa were accustomed to be playing there. Kurzawa hasn't really played left back, hasn't started a league game, or maybe he's been in one. And Decker Reed has been on the right side in every match that I've seen. So I think a lack of familiarity with the new tactical setup, you know, show was one of the reasons why we were, I think, struggling in that area, and that Newcastle did have some joy uh, along their right side, our left side. Okay. Over to you, Yanis. Thoughts on what Craig just shared with his analysis, and feel free to share yours. I, I kept thinking during the game that this was going to be a nil-nil. It, 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 felt, it felt like a game of chess. I agree with the left side. It was... I was wondering before the game, you know, would he play Kazawa? Would he play Bobby Dekadori? Because it's one of the few you know, positions he's not played. Um, that's how much Robinson means to us as a team. I mean, that you see his value there. And Newcastle did do a good job of, of targeting that, but didn't really do anything in open play to really. I, it was one of those weird games where I thought, I, I ain't going to score in a month of Sundays. And you and Craig is right. There was a lack of synergy between the two lads, but I think that's to be expected. I mean, because because I was been in the club a few months, but has been injured, and um, you know, doing it on the practice field, then coming up against 
you know, Amran, I would say, is close to being a world-class player. It's very, very difficult, and you know, in front of 52,000 rounds. So I thought, um, despite that, we did well, really, to nullify what they were doing. I didn't really think they were going to do it. They were getting close to scoring, and and Lano looked pretty comfortable net. And um, but it's one of those situations where, you know, Marco will look at it and say, well, is Kazawa the answer as the backup? Because teams are going to start coming and knocking the door on the door for Robinson. I don't think it's going to take long. We always knew he was a fantastic athlete, but defensively he's improved this year. And um, we've got to look at strengthening in all areas. And that's what happens when you lose a player, a left back, you go, oh, left back, should it make a difference? Well, it did. I thought it did yesterday. It seemed to okay. cause imbalance in the squad. And that was. That was a shame, and then I think it shows us where we are in the journey. But hey, we're still sixth. I mean, we're sixth. For crying out loud, just <laughs> beyond our wildest dreams. It's 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 lovely to see us and see West Ham and Everton floundering like yep. rotten fish at the bottom. It's it is. So you know what? I, I can't get too despondent um, um, about it. But uh, I will carry on moaning about the schedule because I just think it. <laughs> I think it, I, I, don't, I think it's you know. fair, Giannis. I think it's fair. It's not taking away from the victory no. for Newcastle United. It's the reality. The reality is, and I knew when Marco started complaining about it, that this is something that he was extremely concerned about. And it played out, as Craig said, the team tired near the end of the match. And I don't think it's a surprise why they did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we ran out of gas. We ran out of gas. And... Um, um, they gave it everything. They left everything on the pitch. They did. They've done it in every, in every game. Even even you know the four-one home loss to that lot. You know we were down to ten men. They played very well on the day, but we never stopped battling. We never stopped fighting. I remember Deco Bobby got the, the late goal to make it four-one, and you know it showed the spirit in the, the team. You know they, they fight for each other, and. Um, you know, there were some really positive aspects. It's just a shame, you know, that we had to blow it. But, you know, we've got Tottenham next. And and, and Tottenham, yes, they look pretty, pretty grim themselves. So, um, you know, there's not a team that we should go out and go, oh, we should worry about them. Look, we were injury time against United. City, I mean, injury time. Look how close we've come. These Arsenal, we gave them a really hard time. So we're, we're, we're fighting. We're fighting and, we're, and good things will come. Okay, and that's actually a good point. And I know we're in midstream here, and we'll talk about the second half. I'm glad that you brought this up. Strange time to bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up now, and I'm curious Craig's view on this. This is more of a general topic, Craig. And I thought about this after the match. Giannis just brought it back to my mind. Let's talk a little bit about this. We've come close to all the teams around us in the top six, all these teams, but we've come up short time and time again is this uh, does this show you how much we're progressing but does it also show you what we're missing to get over the hump to beat these teams or even get points off these teams what is the difference between Fulham coming up just short and getting over the top and beating the Arsenals and the Newcastle Uniteds I think it's the top four teams not the top six teams um look I think I, I don't. I wouldn't draw too many conclusions from it, uh, except that we are competitive with those teams in a way that we haven't been in our previous stints in the Premier League. Um, those teams do have more depth; they have more resources. You tire at the end of the games, and the better teams, the teams at the top of the table, tend to score late goals. Sometimes, yes, it's unfortunate it's happened three or four times, and but I I, I wouldn't read too much into that um and each game has its own particular story and its own particular tale right. to tell as well um you know i think yanis makes a very powerful point that we don't have the depth that we need um we probably do have more financial constraints than some of these other teams not only because they have more money um uh, but also you know, with two of them are backed effectively by by sovereigns in the Middle East, but also because um, we are coming up against 
the financial fair play rules. And I believe that they will be uh, preventing us from spending the kind of money that um, we otherwise would be able to spend. Um, and so I think we're going to have a tricky time in the transfer market because we're going to need to sell to spend to a significant degree. Okay. Excellent stuff there, Craig. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the second half and all the controversy that goes along with that. And we'll end with man of the match. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, guys, let's get to it. Let's talk about the second half. I've got four key moments that we're really going to break down. Let's start here. I'm going to go to you first, Giannis, because... I know we're going to talk about the situation with Bobby Decadova, Reed, Mitro, and then, of course, the goal. But before that, there was a situation that I thought potentially was a penalty. I thought maybe Andres Pereira went down a little easy. But after looking at it again and some of the commentary I've heard about it, it's an interesting thing for us to talk about because Marco addressed it after the match that potentially Fulham should have had an advantage here that Dan Burns should have been sent off for a red card and we should have had a penalty with Pereira on the Pereira challenge. So I'm going to ask you the question. Let's start here. Should Fulham had a penalty on Pereira with Burns getting a red card as well? Yes. Yeah, yes to both. And that was the weird thing about it. I'm screaming because it, it looks a clear penalty and there's no indication from VAR. And again, soon after Bobby gets taken out and they they go to the the Bobby challenge and not the Pereira challenge. It was a little right. odd. And it was impactful because for the former, that would have been a red. And for the latter, it wasn't. It was just, it was just an odd... It was, you could technically, I think technically have given two, you can't give two penalties, but you could have given two penalties there. And it turned out to be a massive mistake. I don't know. I can understand their fans being upset with the Bobby challenge, potentially. They're very upset, by the way. Extremely upset. You know, good for them. Um, But the thing is, if they're truly objective and they say they know their football, then how in hell's name would they say that the challenge on Pereira wasn't a penalty? I, I, I'm, okay. I'm waiting for that one. I'm really waiting for any. Okay. Hey, you, you can message me. My, my kid was at the game, right? And I and because um, she lives in Newcastle, and I said to her, and she was a Newcastle fan, and I said, uh, "Did you see both?" She said, "Yes," and I said, "What were your thoughts?" She said, "Well, I, I know there's a bunch of fans." were like gasping because they they were convinced that was going to be the, the Pereira challenge was going to be a penalty. Yeah. So um um I mean all I want all, all of us want I mean and Craig was obviously there is, is we want the right call. That's all we want. Exactly. exactly. I mean the, 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 the right call. We saw this on Saturday. We saw this with the United City game that swung on a potential offside that should have been given as an offside. Like when you've got all this technology, you've got a referee and two assistants and you've got VAR. Get Make the right call. That's They do it. And you and I have talked about this, haven't we? Cricket, rugby, 
our hockey, our football, they get it right. Why can right. we not get it right? I just Well, and that's going to lead to all of the controversy going along with Mike Dean. There are people furious with Mike Dean. So, Craig, I want to go to you. You saw this live. What were your thoughts when you saw this? Well, I first should just say at the outset that the away supporters are seated in the nosebleed level at St. James's Park. You are way up. I think it's 140 steps you have to climb to get there. So, you know, it's great that I have X-ray vision because otherwise (laughs) I wouldn't be able to see it. Now, the penalty incidents or incidents happened just at our end, so I could actually see it relatively well, although with a a tremendous amount of perspective. I thought the Pereira challenge was a stone-cold penalty. I didn't think the challenge... Steve Blaney agrees with you, by the way. He's a ref. Go ahead. Okay, I thought Pereira was a penalty. I thought Dan Burns' challenge on Pereira was definitely a penalty. I did not think the other challenge on Decker Dovereed was a penalty. So I was actually quite surprised when we look at the screen and the VAR had reviewed the Decker Dovereed challenge. So I agree with Yanis. It was the wrong penalty. It was the wrong incident to review. And had they reviewed the, the correct incident, Dan there would have been, Dan Byrne probably should have been sent off, and that could have changed the outcome of the game. And so that does that. That to me is the the real controversy in the match is they reviewed the wrong penalty. Okay, excellent yeah, stuff, yeah, and, th- yeah, and that's no. really where I think we should be concentrating. But let's just go and talk about this real quick, guys, because um, the Bobby Decadover Reed one is the one that's really infuriating the Newcastle United supporters, and I do understand it because at the time we did not see a, another view of this. There were a couple of different views, and that this is one of the reasons why Mike Dean's under a lot of pressure here. But Giannis, on Bobby Decadover Reed penalty. See, I think I think I think it was marginal, but I think it was. I think it was just outside. It was just inside the box. Bobby's been nailed before, if I'm not mistaken, for for diving. Yes. I don't think I don't think this is this was. But then, if it's it's still, it, I was I, I, Craig's right. I mean, I I was sort of mystified with the timing of it. You got the two challenges, and then you decided to go to the second. Not the first. It was just a bit. It was a bit weird. But this is cra- it was crap officiating. Like let's call it the way. Let's call it out for what it is. It's <laughs> terrible refereeing. I mean, you get make the right calls for hell's sake. And if you don't know how to make the call, yep. that's okay. That's okay. Then go Cause... upstairs and check the bloody videotape. And for all those fans, we took what fifteen hundred fans up there. Oh bless their cotton socks. They were so loud. Um. What a it's a long journey to Newcastle. I mean, this ain't up the road. Um, it's a, it's a hell of a trek up there, and 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 you, you Four hour train ride. yeah, and you get balls up, balls up by some stupid ref who needs a, an optician thing, and 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 that wasn't even the half of it, of course, because then we had the penalty, and now we've got right. the video evidence of what happened during the penalty, and if it makes the players angry and Marco even angrier. Great, but I don't. I I think it is so bad for football. I, I really do. I just I just want it done properly. I don't want right. you to do. I don't want you to do a knee replacement on my left knee when my right knee is the <laughs> one that needs to be done. Just do do the damn job. Do Belichick, do your job, right? Do your do job. Your job. And so I, it's just oh, been a, it was a bad weekend. It was a bad weekend for Premier League. Some great games were like I mean the United City just horrendous. Like come on, okay. Get it right. So, Craig, do you agree with Giannis? Basically, get the call right. And uh, it's just, if, like I said, it's these two situations. You're pretty far away. So, thoughts on Bobby Decker Reed? Look, from my angle, I thought Bobby Decker Reed went down pretty easily. And it was a bo- it was a soft penalty. Yeah. I thought Pereira, I thought the Dan Burn challenge on Pereira was uh, a stone cold penalty. Okay. I think what's frustrating is that the Premier League introduced uh, the VAR system to eliminate a lot of the most obvious errors, and yet they, they continue to be made. Um, and, you know, 
you can reduce human error, but you can't eliminate that. And I think that's basically the takeaway. That, that's yeah. great. And like I said, this is going to the ref and also to Mike Dean, who's under, like I said, a lot of pressure here. I read a lot of articles about him, both obviously from the Newcastle United supporters, but still, he's under a lot of pressure for his decision as being the VAR referee. Okay. So, Craig, over to you. And uh, I said this to Max on full time. You guys have watched a lot more football than me. Have you ever seen a penalty like this from Mitro before? Not from Mitro. I'm not sure I've even seen. No, I mean from I, like I this from in, general, in general. I mean, here's the irony, Russ. So I was filming the penalty, okay, and I'm so high up, okay, and then you know when we discover that the penalty was disallowed because he slipped and kicked it twice, and it was indirect free kick. I I played that video repeatedly like it's the Sapruder film, you know, <laughs> we're filming Jeff K's assassination. I, I I played it over and over again. I couldn't see the double kick. Now I know that it was and the rest of it, but you know, it, it's amazing that it was spotted as such. Yeah. Um you can question whether the rule makes any sense, but be that as it may, it's really bad luck. I don't know what else you can say. Okay. You know, I know it's a family broadcast. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say this anyway. Say it. Shit happens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Giannis, do you agree with Craig on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was gutted for Mitra, and I still am. Because, um, I mean, I've not, I, I, all the games I've played, all, every ga- all the games, how many games, years I coached, I've never seen that. Never seen that. And, and it was, Credit to, to to Pope because he, as soon as the ball went past him, he signaled double touch. That and um, it's you know it's one of, it's one of those instances where you don't need to say anything to Mitro because his body language after the, that goal told you everything you need to know. Nobody will have felt worse about what happened there than he did. You know, we as fans can can say whatever, but this is a guy that takes his footy seriously. He's given us everything he's got. It was gruesome bad luck. And you know, these things do happen. And um, you know, he'd probably been, you know, the journey is, is, is long enough as it is, and I'm sure training this morning, Marco would have got, got with him and sat him down 1v1 and said, you know what? It's crazy as shit happens. It's okay. You right. worked hard, da da da. Whatever. It, you've done. You do too much anyway. He's not an Ivan Tony. I don't think anyone is. Let's be honest. Um, so it happened. You've been magnificent. We move on. Let's get ready for Spurs. Let's get ready for them and then the cup game and, and and see what happens. And that's the one thing about Marco. You can you can feel that he identifies with the players that he cares about the players. It's a family culture. The players will have felt terrible for him as well. Um, and that's the sense that I get from the club. And they'll just brush it off, look at the video, and they'll move on. The, the eight days between games, I really I really believe that. Um, but I've, it was just terrible luck. It's, you know, um, if we go one goal up, then Newcastle ain't coming back. They ain't coming back from that. They didn't look like they were going to do anything, but we gave them life, and then uh, and they nicked it at the end. So they can they can you know that's fine. But um, yeah, it was gruesome luck. Absolutely, Giannis, and I'm glad that you brought this up because the fact that Mitro does not score here changes the match because then they got as you said life, and they were on the ascendancy from that point on. They were looking very likely to score. They did score. So I have to give them credit for that. They were really pushing hard and we were having a hard time dealing with it. So maybe that ultimately was why Marco made the switch that he did with the substitution. But let's talk about the goal. Craig, I've watched this several times. We've already talked a little bit about Diop's role. So let's talk about the the winning goal from Newcastle United. Let's give him credit, but it was basically just a, uh, unmarked easy header, so call what it is. Uh, but let's just uh, talk about this, Craig. 
Well, who's, who's most responsible? Who do you? Who's most responsible for the goal? Well, I, I don't think Dieppe should have been out jumped, and I think Tosin was caught uh, ball watching as well. I mean, when you have that those kinds of guys, really tall players, you know, in the back, and you 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 lose to a a fairly header. You know, it was a good cross, but it wasn't an amazing cross. I think it's. Uh, I think it. I think they switched off. Um, there's no way around it. These things they happen. I think. Um, yeah, I think Diop is still a little bit erratic. I know that um, the athletic correspondent Paul Peter Rutzler praised his performance uh, uh, on on Twitter. I I thought that he was a little bit more inconsistent and was caught out a few more times uh, than maybe Mr. Rutzler did, but. Um, you know, I I, I I still don't think that either of those players are quite at ease. The cross was a little bit too easy to get in as well. Uh, we, you know, we start sitting a bit deep sometimes as we get tired, and I think yep. that's been a problem in, in a few games. Um, look, they switched off for a nanosecond. That was enough to to allow Newcastle the opportunity to to score. They've got Newcastle's good players. Um, they've got their very well-resourced team and, uh, you know, a moment of neglect is pretty, is pretty costly. Yep. Totally agree on that. Giannis, who's most responsible for the goal? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's who, I think it's what, I think it's, I think it's fatigue. I think fatigue will do that. I think that, you know, again, 72 hours, um, I know Diop, Diop didn't play on Thursday. But you know, you part of the build-up and what have you, and this is, you know, it, it would have been an exhausting seventy-two hours, and it, it, it forces, it forces players, you know, often to switch off because they're mentally they're drained. It's, it's not just the physical; it's the mental attention to detail that you have to put in. And, and for eighty-eight minutes, they did it, and it was just a moment. It was, that's all it was. And um, Tosin, yeah, switched off. Dion, it shouldn't have been. Uh, jump at man he worked hard they all worked hard they all put it in they all put in a shift and it would you know i didn't hear marco talk about this but if you know he could turn around and say well you know it's no wonder we made a mistake i mean name teams that can that have the lack of depth that we do that can play as hard as we did against chelsea and deservedly come up with the goods and then all of a sudden you know, it's one mistake. It's one mistake. That's all it was. It was one mistake, and that was it. And that's um, and that's, and that and that's tough. But it just, I mean, it's one of those words. It's gutting. It's gutting in the sense that you know, Callum Wilson who did nothing the whole game, and frankly, I think it's a fraud because he's just he's he's not. If Newcastle want to do anything, they're not going to do it with him. I think the only reason he's even starting games is because of that relationship with Eddie Howe. You know, the, the real sort of, you know, Isaac, 70 million, bit of a laugh, that, but, um, and it's sort of, you know, it's accidentally rebounded off his body and I, Isaac's, you know, half a centimetre out. It's come out of nothing, absolutely nothing. And um, sometimes you've got to be good to be lucky, lucky to be good. And that was lucky. I don't care what anyone, Newcastle fans said, that was lucky. It's come off the, the guy's stomach. And Isaac couldn't miss. As my mum said last night, even I couldn't have missed. So it was one of those things. Um, they can say about domination and what have you, but they are at home. They are. They were at home, remember. And, um, you know, there's expectations and they're fourth in table and all their resources and all that sort of stuff. And it's little old Fulham and we beat 4-1 early in the season and we should stop. And there was none of that. There was none of that. And we showed a lot of fight, a lot of heart and credit. And I think it wasn't a matter of who it was what. And I think we just, we just ran out of gas in the end and it was just a moment. Okay. I have to share this from our friend, Chris here. You know, it's a bad defeat when Giannis sounds pissed. <laughs> I don't, um, um, Craig alluded to it earlier. Um, and that's, you know, I was watching the Jacksonville Jags, uh, you know, their playoff game, against yeah. the Chargers of the weekend, you know, our, our, our owners there, Shad Khan. And, you know, he has built his fortune through industry 
and hard work and sweat and he's done it honestly and he's you know he's done it honestly um for all the endeavors but but craig said earlier you got two teams in the top four that are funded by sovereign states and sovereign states get their money through natural resources and the natural resources are oil it's not through ingenuity it's through oil so they um if you if, if you want to look at gift horse and if you want to be really blunt joe linton shouldn't have played yesterday because anybody who's been arrested for drink and driving charge it should be you know if there's an ethical if you have an ethical blueprint as a manager of a club that person is suspended number one number two bearing in mind what we know about the human rights violations in saudi arabia and what a lot of the people have to be subjected to then um i'm proud to be part of a club and have been all my life whose owners although occasionally occasionally odd have always come through their wealth through honest means and i can pride myself and take that to the grave newcastle fans can't do that they, they can't that's a working man city newcastle and it's always been about working class players and working class fans they can't say that right now and so um i have a problem with newcastle and i have a problem with man city as well um for that re for those reasons i just I just um, that's what the Wrexham. I don't know if you guys have seen the Wrexham story. Love it. I love Incredible. it. Incredible. I mean, love you know, um, uh, McAlenny and, and Ryan Reynolds, and we love Ryan Reynolds here in Canada, obviously. And what a beautiful story! What a beautiful story! And and you know, through hard work and uh, a club that used to be renowned, you know, North Wales, and now, you know, they could make it through the National League, and everybody will root because. The owners and the philosophy and the manager and the players. Um, it's a tough pill for me as well. I was upset yesterday, and a part of it is to know, do yeah. the ethical. It's my ethical. I grew up standing on the stands of Craven Cottage with two thousand fans against Torquay, so I. I yeah, I just um, yeah, it just. I'm actually proud to have the cards as the owners. I am because I know. I'm glad you're yeah. saying that, Yanis. It's very nice of you to say, and and I agree with you. I'm very proud to have uh, Shahid and Tony mm -hmm. as the owners of Foam Football Club. You can say what you want. You can criticize some of the moves, some of the things that they've done, but overall, they've done right by Foam Football Club and the supporters overall. And the look, they, look at look at Chelsea. Yeah, they look do at Chelsea, it the right Ross. way. Yeah, right? look at Chelsea, Russ. I, look at Chelsea. I, I mean, I, know. I grew up. I was at the last game we won at Stamford Bridge in '82. I was at I was at that game, yeah. and they were a West London club with a, no, with a fair a fair amount of success, but not one of the big, the biggest clubs. And they won the a few cups and da da da. And then when Abramovich came in, again, it's the same stuff. The oligarchs and it's the the oil money, and all the funding he did in Chelsea this and Chelsea that. Now that Abramovich has left. You see, you see, even with Todd Burley being the owner, you see a dysfunctionality of a club that has lost an identity. And Fulhamism have never lost their identity. We've always Great been point. a family club. We have always been close and we've we've valued what we have and we've never been arrogant. We, we, we're Fulhamish. We, we take our lumps. We, we have more crap than you can care. But I'm proud of that. And um, okay. that's something that Chelsea will never have. An identity. We have an identity. Craig is wearing that fantastic sweater, and I remember that because that was the sweater. Actually, that was when Kappa was. That was the Kappa sweater because I had. About, yes, exactly. Yes, that's it's it. old school. Well, not it's quite old school. school. It's old. Two thousand six, seven. I don't know. Yes, six, wow. seven, and it's Fulham, and that's why we're yeah. proud of Fulham, and that's who okay. we are. So I know I'm going to get nailed fit by Newcastle fans. I could care less. Okay. Okay, guys, uh, we do have to wrap up the show. But before we do, Craig, give me a minute. minute. I actually had it as easy deal, but I actually agree with Peter Russell. But you were there. So please feel free to share who you think was your man of the match. Maybe Bern Leno? Is there someone else? It's a tough question because nobody really stood out. Um, but I would probably have to say... 
It was Brent Leno. Brent Leno. I think that he had a, another strong game between the sticks, made some pretty important saves, which we didn't have the time to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, it's not that the other players didn't play well, but um, he was the one who stood out the most. If I had to choose an outfield player, it probably would have been Harrison Reed. Um, oh, I thought he played great. A pretty solid game, but I don't think he stood out sufficiently for me to make him to make, man him, of to make him man of the match. Okay. How about you, Giannis? I thought I, I'm going to give give it to Kenny Tete. Actually, I th- I think he interesting. He's played very well for us when fit, but since the Suarez Cedric Suarez talk about getting from Arsenal. He seems to have taken it another level. And I almost, right now, I almost say he's irreplaceable in, in this lineup. I just think he's so consistent in terms of defending, in terms of pushing up with the midfielders, the overlapping runs. You know, his crossing has become even better. I thought he worked very, very hard. There's not one player that I can honestly say, even the subs where I could say they didn't put the shift in. And that was the thing I was most proud of. And to give, I'll give them some credit because the one thing that Eddie Howe has done with that team, as expensive as they are, is whether you're Almiron or Sam Maximin or Longstaff, they all work the tails off. They outwork. You can see why they're doing well because the philosophy is there. And our lads did it. There's no one to a man that didn't put it in. And that's, I think, what was the most gutting bit about that. Um, Because a nil-nil, we take it, and we go back down the M1. I suppose we'll have games like where we all gut it and win it late and da-da-da. But it just, you know, if if a team deserved a point for effort, I think we did. Okay. Um, that's not the way we're up, folks. Okay. Very good. All right. One last topic for you, my friend, and we'll end the show. This is from Chris Goodwin. Giannis, will the Bills win at the weekend? I think we will. I think we will because Burrow last night seemed to have trouble. And this is off topic, but, but with, with the Ravens. Especially on the right line of that o, right side of that O line, they're really yeah. beaten up, and um, it's a team that has just had so much adversity. The Bengals are a super team. I was hoping the Bengals, yes. I was hoping the Ravens were going to win so that we could play the Jags. That, oh, that, that would have been great. That would have yeah. been great. Um, yeah, I think we're going to win by three. I think it's going to be. I think it'll be an absolute barn. Wait, tonight's a fantastic. Dallas are playing at the Bucks. I know, I know. I'm looking forward to it. And I know many of our supporters who are listening are, are probably like, can you please stop talking NFL? So we will talk, stop talking about it. We're going to wrap this up. Craig, thank you so much for joining Giannis and myself us. tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Fan, fantastic. And I'm still not, I'm, I'm still, um, my sister, my sister-in-law, because my, my wife has a twin. And um, I got the better of half of it, by the way. Luckily, she won't be watching. But she's a Newcastle <laughs> supporter. And luckily, she didn't contact me after the game because I'd have ripped her throat out. If I hear anything about, you know, shut up. And as I said, I'm going to repeat it one more time. Mitro, I'm gutted. I don't want to hear this thing about, oh, should he, should he stop taking penalties? Has he not earned enough capital in his career with us to have the right to take the penalties? I think so. I actually think that he won't be taking the next penalties, but because um, I think that even though this was a bit of a fluke, I think that it's going to throw his confidence off, and I think Marco knows that. But we'll find Herrera. out. Yeah, maybe we'll give him a ball striker. There's no we'll find that out soon enough, guys. I want to mention this before we end the show. Also, please do subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. It does help other phone supporters find us. I actually did a podcast yesterday called the EPL Roundtable with two Tottenham Hotspur supporters. And guys, they both are very worried about this matchup against Fulham. And you know what? I agree with them. I agree with them. I think Fulham have a very good chance to beat Tottenham Hotspur at Craven Cottage. That's still a week away, but I look forward to that. That's where Fulham are right now. But let's wrap this up. For Craig Coleman and Yashinis, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk, now part of the Talk Sport Fan Network.
It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.